We are so grateful that you are joining us today. We, as a community, pray that the Lord will refresh you as you hear today's message. If you would like to support and further the work here in the city, please visit us at www.oasischurchchicago.com or download our app, Oasis Church Chicago. Now, here's today's message. Yo, God's good. Man, sit down. Clap for him. I ain't nobody. I'm just a nappy head kid from the projects. Come on, somebody. It's an honor to be here with you this morning, uh, to be in the house of the Lord. There's no other place I'd rather be except with my wife. Come on, somebody. I'm missing my wife. I haven't seen her in, I don't even want to tell y'all how many days. Because when I get home, I'm putting the kids out, locking them outside. Don't come home. I might throw some Cheetos out there, a couple juice boxes. I handles my business. Um, no, but it is an honor to be here. If you can't have fun in church, then y'all tripping. Like, y'all in the wrong place to be, like, for real. You know what I mean? The world don't get to have fun. God invented it. You feel me? Like, he did this. I just like enjoying it, you know what I'm saying? All I'm saying. Uh, but once again, it is an honor to be here, and um, you guys are in a great place. This is a great church, and um, stay faithful. I want to encourage you, stay faithful. I believe we enter in the last days, what many would, the love of many will grow cold. Uh, you want to stay hot, be around community, other people that's going to provoke you, and um, this is the place to be. And so um, I believe the word that God has given me is for you today. And um, I believe if you're ready to receive, that you'll get everything God has for you. When you come to church, you got to come in expectation. Because God only goes where he's invited. He's a gentleman. Ladies here, never take advantage of you. Never. He's a gentleman. So if you invite him in expectation, he shows up every single time. Because it's amazing to me. You could be in a service and you see one person get touched and another one don't. Same service, same message. I mean, you three inches away. It's your level of expectation. So just come ready to receive. That's all he need. Mustard seed faith. Smallest seed on the planet. That's it. Right? So when you walk through the door, just check all the drama. Just like, yo, drama, chill. I'll be back. <laughs> right? If you still here, whatever. Hopefully you gone. Anxiety, chill. Come on, Depression. Come on, somebody. Just, you know what I mean? I'm going with God. He don't deal with that. So if he don't deal with it, you can't come. Come on. Let me pray. I'm tripping. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the privilege and honor of being here. Holy Spirit, I invite you in this place. You will not be grieved. You will not be offended. I give you complete reign and authority. Holy Spirit, I ask you to articulate the Father's heart through my voice to your people. I pray that every ear is open, every heart is open, every mind is open to receive that which you have for us. So I ask you to invade this space. It is not by might, it is not by power, but it is by your spirit, says the Lord. Not my will, but your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm from here, born and bred, about, what, seven miles, eight miles, nine miles from here, southeast, uh, Agile Garden Housing Projects, and... Um, I grew up in poverty. My grandmother raised nine kids and which she had about five different baby fathers. And when I was 10 months old, my mother was murdered at the age of 17. 
She had my brother at 14, had me at 16. She was shot and killed at 17. Never met my father. Don't know who he is. Um, my grandmother was a warrior, did the best she could with what she had, and um, raised us to the best of her ability. But she had one rule in her house, and it was, I don't care what you do between 8 and 3.30, just don't come home. Now, you just raised nine kids, four died, she raised nine grandbabies. So school hours was vacation. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Get up out of here. There was two main reasons why I went to school. Number one, I got a free meal. I was on a hot lunch plan because there were times when we would come home and we wouldn't eat. Syrup sandwiches, sugar sandwiches, powdered milk, government cheese. That's the hardest cheese you could ever try and cut in your life. Come on, somebody. And I grew up with a huge question mark on top of my head of who am I, why am I here? And uh, my dad sat next to the teachers. I was in trouble as a kid. Uh, sold crack cocaine for a little bit. Barely graduated the eighth grade. Made it to high school by a miracle. I'm flying through my story for the sake of I want to preach. But I always share my story before I preach so you can hear my heart. And so um, I was a four-year starter in high school on the basketball team, and I was the man. No, for real, I was the man. <laughs> so I thought. Nobody told me at the end of popularity was emptiness. So I was grabbing for things that could never fulfill me. I was the most popular kid in my high school, 2,500 kids. My senior year, I'm being recruited for basketball. I always wanted to go away. I was like, man, give me a scholarship to Africa. I would have been hooping with them. I would have been hooping with them boys. Like, you know what I mean? But I ended up scoring a 14 on my ACT. So all them doors closed. I took a scholarship to a community college. And when I was 19 years old, I had an encounter with Jesus Christ. Actually, my first cousin, who's sitting right here, led me to the Lord. And, um, yep. He was a leader of our gang in our neighborhood at a very young age. They carried dope for him, carried guns for him. He had nearly 300 kids under his authority. And then uh, he had an encounter with Jesus at 19. I watched his life. He set me down, told me the gospel. My life changed. I finished at that community college with an associate's degree, transferred, got my bachelor's and master's degree. I'm the first ever in my family to attend college. Come on. And now my wife and I serve full-time ministry. We, we, we serve pro athletes, not just the Bengals, all over the country. And I'm an itinerant evangelist and preacher. So I travel all over. I got four kids, the cutest kids in the world. No offense, but my kids are cute. And uh, I'm in an interracial marriage. My wife's white. It's amazing what the world says shouldn't be together produce something so beautiful. And so, uh, if you racist in this room, because I know racist people go to church. Um, if you are, if you make it to heaven by a miracle, just pray you don't live next door to me. Because I'm going to be playing full court basketball every day, frying chicken and playing loud music. So stereotype me if you won't. Come on. Some people aren't smiling. This is... I'm doing a salvation call at the end, so... Just to give you a heads up for whoever ain't smiling. And they ain't trying to be funny. This is just who I am. Come on. And so some of y'all thinking, what does your, my story have to do with you? We got two things in common. Number one, you got to die to leave here. Ain't none of us escaping this piece of life. You got the data leave here. So the question is, how do you want to be remembered? You know, when you die, people are going to talk about you at your funeral. What do you want them conversations to be? I believe with every fiber of my being that God has called you to leave a mark with your life. You are not here by accident. 
Everything God creates, he creates on purpose and for purpose. Everything. He said, light be. be the, I, the sun is out right now. It's still doing exactly what he purposed to do. He said that trees will bear seed, will, will give fruit. Come on, we still eating apples and bananas. Come on, and oranges. It's still producing what God commanded it to do. Those are things. The Bible says you are made in his image. That word image in the original language means to take a photograph of. God took a selfie and made you. He'd been killing the selfie game way before this generation. So now you look like your daddy. Then the Bible says he breathed into man the breath of life. That breath in Hebrew literally translates a piece of God himself. So you look like your daddy. You got your daddy in you. Then he said, I made him in my likeness. That word likeness means it's a three-fold word, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, spirit, soul, body. So now you look like your daddy, your daddy in you, and now you fashioned after your daddy. So that means you got purpose. You get one shot at life. Once you stop breathing, it's over. The tragedy of life and death isn't dying. The tragedy of life and death is driving past the cemetery and thinking of all the politicians that never came forth and preachers and lawyers and doctors, engineers. Come on. Men and women dying, not living up to their God-given potential. That's the tragedy of life and death. So I'm here tomorrow morning to declare to you from a kid who comes from the projects whose mother was a prostitute. To tell you God's got a plan for your life. But you will never enter that plan unless you know him. It ain't talking about knowing him because you come to church. People who come. Our starting quarterback is Andy Dalton. I got the security code to his house. I can walk to his house right now and punch it in and walk in his crib. I know his kids' names. I know his mama, his daddy. I know both his in-laws. I know all. I know, I know him. See, many of you know of him because you watch him on TV. Many people know of Jesus, but do you intimately know him? I better preach. This morning, with the time I have left, you good? Because I, I mean, you can stay. I don't even care. I want to talk to you in the form of a question. The title of my message is, so what now? So what now? What do you do when you at the edge of life, promises haven't been come forth, come on, struggling, maybe financial. What do you do when you feel like God's promises are not coming forth? What do you do when you've been believing and praying and asking God and you just at a crossroads like, what do I do now? We're going to look at the story of Abraham. That brother came to that place. You know the story God called him, chapter 12. Yo, leave your family, bounce, peace out, deuces. And surprisingly, that brother left. He bounced. Never known God, never know who God was. His father, his father actually was an idol maker. He made idols. And the, the God of heaven calls him to leave, and he leaves. He said, I will make your father a mini nation. Now, this brother, 75 years old with no kids. No seed. 75. <laughs> and I'm going to make your father many nations. Then God said, look at the sand. Look at the stars. So shall your descendants be. 
So that brother bounced, you know, went down to Egypt, lied, talking about, yo, this my, this my sister, which technically it kind of was, if you really read it. But how many of you guys know a half lie is the truth? I mean, a, tr a half truth is a lie. Come on. Y'all tripping. So then the Bible says, and Lot went with him. Come on. And you know, the whole chapter 14 wouldn't even be in the Bible if he never take Lot. There's some chapters in your life that wouldn't even be there if you was around the wrong, right people. This brother had to stop his call to pray and send out warriors to save this dude. So then Abraham's like, all right, yo, you tripping, bro. Look at all the land. Go wherever you want to go. The Bible says, and Lot pitched his tent towards Sodom. <laughs> Evil was in his heart the whole time. You better watch who you allow into your life. I don't care how handsome he is, chiseled up cool with his little skinny jeans on, <laughs> little Bieber cut, fresh fade. You better watch that dude. You feel me? As soon as he say, now nah, I don't go to church, you better run. So you bring up Jesus, he's like, yo, you see what the bulls did? You better run. Watch who you allow into your life. So now Abraham gets down. Let's pick up the story. That clock is moving too fast. Genesis 17. Genesis 17. You know, right before this, he goes into Hagar and has a child that wasn't the promise. Come on, your decisions will produce consequences you never wanted. And now we at 17. Verse 1. Genesis 17, verse 1. Y'all about to bring y'all Bibles to church, man. Bring your Bible to church. Your only hope for life is the word. It ain't the bachelor. You got to get out of fantasy and into reality. God's word is reality. I feel at home, so just so y'all know. All right, here we go. I got eight verses, three points, and I'm going to let y'all go have lunch at your little fancy little cafes <laughs> in Chicago. I'm taking all y'all to the projects one day. When Abram was 99 years old, everyone say 99. He had 99 years of no seed. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. Then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful and I will make nations of you and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you and their generations for an everlasting covenant. To be God to you and your descendants after you. Also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. All the land of Canaan is an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. What do you do when it's been 24 years, you have no seed, you see no promise? What do you do? Number one, you got to get in God's presence. 
The scripture says in verse 3, then Abram fell on his face and God talked with him. Now, if you read every chapter before this, the Bible says, and God said to Abram, and God said to Abram, and God said to Abram. The first time in the scripture, the Bible says, and God talked with him. Why? His posture changed. The first time we see Abram on his face, God talked with him. Why? Your posture towards God will determine how he responds to you. Don't forget, we serve a king. We become so familiar with who God is, he is just God. No, he is Alpha and Omega. He is beginning and end. He is first and last. He sits on a throne. Now, a few years ago, when Brother Obama was president, he went to see the queen. First time in a sitting American president went to see the queen. And they told this brother, we got a free rules for you, Obama. Number one, don't touch the queen. Come on. If this sister start walking and she trip and fall, Obama about to let her hit her face. Because if he touch her, I'm talking about World War III coming. Come on. The other rule was, you do not extend a hand to the queen unless she extends first. This is a woman in the flesh on the earth and there's protocol. You don't think our king has protocol? When he fell on his face, God stood up off the throne. But not us. We just come to church as is. We don't recognize this is a place of reverence and worship. And not just worship on Sunday morning. You got to get in this presence on your own. You have to carve time out to give God what's due to him. If he wants 10%, give him 10% of your time. Come on. You up against the wall, you feel like it's the name on the front of the building, the name on the car, your business, what? it can't do it. Because let me tell you, when you die, there will not be a U-Haul truck attached to your casket. You can't take none of it with you. So don't make it an idol. There's only one thing that can fulfill you, and in his presence, you can get everything you need. There's fullness of joy. Come on, somebody. You, you, you feeling with depression, attacking you, anxiety, attacking you, get in his presence. There's a promise in his presence. But you can't receive the promise unless you get in. It's quiet in this room. We must embrace the correct protocol when communing with the king. What the David said in Psalm 104. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving. You want to come to the gate? At least you got to be thankful. When was the last time you paused and just thank God for what he's done for you? Clothes on your back, shoes on your feet, your job. Even if you hate it, at least you got one. The car you drive, even if you got a CTA bus pass, come on, somebody. Just thank him. Every time I pull away from my home, I just look back and say, thank you. I live in the suburbs. Come on, somebody. Projects. We slept three to a bed. I used to pee on him. Now I sleep in a king-size bed. Come on, somebody. I still ain't got no room because all four of my kids end up in that mob. Thankful. Just pause and just thank God. You want one way to get your eyes off what you're going through? Just thank him. Small things. It's always in the small things. It's in the details. Have you ever just tied your shoes on, you begin walking, there's a little rock about your toe? Something in your shoe. Isn't that the most irritating thing ever? The smallest little thing got you limping. Like you a pimp or something. Like, hey, be like, 
What's in this shoe, dog? Like, it's the little things that you got to correct. Get in his presence. Be thankful. So he said, you get in the gate by thankfulness. Once you're in the gate, the next level to get to the courts is praise. When was the last time you just paused and praised him to exalt who you are on him? Many of us can't praise God because we're wearing guilt. We can't get dudes to show up on Sunday because of something they did last night. Some people ain't even come to church because they was out wilding out. The best thing you could do for yourself is show up Sunday morning. Because the Bible says there is, come on, now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. You have an identity crisis. See, when you don't know who you are, you can't posture yourself. See, I could come to my dad freely. I could come boldly to the throne of grace. Why? The cross. Nothing I did. I don't qualify. He qualified me. So when you know who you are, you know whose you are. The world can't define me. It can't define you. Don't let the world put you in a box. God don't do boxes. As a matter of fact, he hate boxes. That's why he jumped out that box in the Old Testament. Nah, bro, I got to come. God lived in a box. The creator of the universe lived in a box. Because he loved people. If you can do open heart surgery on God, you will see people. His heart is people. His heart is you. You're his heart. It wasn't the nails that held Jesus to the cross. The nails couldn't hold him. It was his love for you and I that held him to the cross. He don't do boxes. So he jumped out that box and he put on flesh. Emmanuel, God with us. He came two feet. Reading the Old Testament, came on a mountain. Nope, can't even do it. Come on. The original intent for man was us to walk intimately with him. In the garden, he walked with Adam. That was the plan. So he's walking on the earth. Sin happened. He bounced. I'm out of here. Because he can't do sin. So he's like, I miss my people. I go live in a box. Nope, that ain't work. I want to be more intimate with him. Bounced out the box. Walked two feet. That wasn't enough. I want to live in them. So you get thankful, you get through the gate. Praise gets you in the courts. Have you ever wondered that he never finished the second half of the verse? He couldn't. And this is why. Matthew 27, 51. Then behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When Jesus died on the cross, it gave us complete access to the Father. So you come through the gates with, with thanksgiving. You get in the courts and praise, but you want to get in the holies of holies? It's only through him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Can no man come to the Father? What? Except through me. Do you know him? Abraham, you tripping. He gets on his face. God talk with him. He gets in his presence and everything changes. Let me keep going. Number, number two, you got to embrace the new you. Embrace the new you. You're dealing with something. You, you're not seeing breakthrough. You have an identity crisis. You need to renew your mind. You're already qualified to be a son and daughter of God. You're qualified. Look what God does to this brother. No longer shall your name be called Abram. 
but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Up until this point, God tolerated Abram and was patient with him, but he wanted a new version of the man who would give birth to a new nation. So he changed his name. The word Abram in Hebrew means exalted father. Now, there's only one exalted father that I know. So he changed his name to Abraham. That's a Hebrew letter. It's the same H that this het, this H, this life given is, represents the Holy Spirit. He breathed his spirit in him. Abraham, the same ha, he gave Adam. So now the Bible says that faith comes by hearing. Listen to me. 99 years, no seed. God changes his name, puts his spirit in him. So every time he heard Abraham, he heard father of many nations. Now, how many of y'all remember Lion King? Remember the uh, hyenas Ed and them? He was like, Mufasa, ooh, say it again. Remember that? Abraham was like, what? Abraham, ooh, say it again. Every time he heard his name, the seed of faith was getting in him. Because faith comes by hearing. So he's like, Abraham, father, many nations, say it again. Come on, Sarah, it's finna go down. I just need a new more, three more Abrahams. Say it again. Abraham, the seed of faith, say it again. I'm a father, many nations. I'm a father, many nations. I could do all things through Christ who gives him strength. Greater is he that lives in me than he that's in the world. I forget those things which are behind and I press forward toward the mark of the call of God that's in Christ Jesus. What are you speaking? If faith comes by hearing, what are you saying? Stop speaking your circumstances and speak the word. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. It ain't about what you see. Everything is subject to change. You want to get a change? Speak the word. So then he's like, oh, Sarah, I'm ready. You get in this tent right now. It's about to go down. His sperm was coming alive. I'm serious. That word new creation, 2 Corinthians, new creation, it's a DNA change. Your DNA can change. You become new in him. Brand new. The past is gone. Dead. Out of here. Deuces. Dead man in the grave. But the problem is we go dig that dude up. Because too many of us take our past into our futures. You are either a prisoner of your past or a pioneer of your future. In the future that God has for you, the past can't touch it. So let it go. Stop rewinding your past when God has pressed pause. Don't press play. Abraham, you've been tripping. He's postured himself. God showed up. He called him a new man. His life changed. What did 1 Peter 2.9? But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This is a two-side scriptures for the children of Israel, but it's also for the church. The first half, generation, royal, holy nation, special people. But for us, come on, somebody, he transferred us out of darkness. Not into a regular light, a marvelous one. Come on. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. That's who you are. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Thank God. 
for mercy. Take off the labels. Don't let people label you. Greater is he that lives in you. Greater. The Bible says you are more than a conqueror. What is more than a conqueror? I'm good with just being a conqueror. Let me conquer some stuff. I'm good. But you are more than a conqueror. To him who is in Christ. Not in yourself. Not in your own gifts and abilities and talents, girl. Mm-hmm. Come on. Thinking your looks going to get you somewhere. Yo, you getting older. Everything going to sag one day. Come on, somebody. Just look at what them ladies doing in L.A. They trying to stop time. You can't stop time. I don't care how many lifts and tucks you get. So when you dating, you better date the character. Because sure ain't going to be as hot. Come on, somebody. 40 years. He ain't, them muscles going to sag a little bit. Come on. Ain't that much protein in the world. You better know who you are in him. That's your only hope. That's my only hope. That's the world's only hope. So vain out here. These people, these people crazy. People crazy. But you got the light. You are light. Come on. All right, let me do number three. I'm done. You got to believe that God would do what he said he would do. You got to believe it. Your job, your only job in walking with him is to believe that God would do his job. We got the easiest job in this thing. We make Christianity way too hard because we make it about us. What I didn't do, what I did do, it ain't about you. It's all about what he did on the cross. What that brother did gave you every benefit of heaven. Every benefit. He who knew no sin became sin. You don't even, we don't even know what that means. He who knew no sin became sin for you that you might be the righteousness of God in him. That was an exchange on the cross. The Bible says, cursed is the man who hangs on the tree. You were cursed. He took your curse. As a matter of fact, he was the king of the curses. The crown of thorns. If you're wearing the crown, that's a king. He lessened. He became sin. Lessened himself. Put on the crown of the curse for you. Oh, there were some exchanges at the cross. You got to know who you are. And you got to believe that above how you feel. Because your feelings change. You got to get it in you. Because can't nobody take it. Come on. Paul said, I kept the faith. If you got to keep something, that means it could be taken. I kept it. You better hold on. You better stop fumbling. Come on, somebody. Keep the word in you. Satan comes immediately for what? The word. Mark 4. Jesus said, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any parable I preach. Y'all better get Mark chapter 4 in your spirit. Get it in you. Because as soon as you leave here, the word that you just gained for, all hell about to break loose. He's coming for the word. You a target? And we just walk out of church like, yep, and go get our Starbucks. You get mad at the lady because they ran out of milk. All that word in you, and you angered and came all on you. You about to go cut, you about to go curse somebody in traffic on 94. Come on, you got to hold on to it. Hold on to it. Don't drop it. Don't let Abraham. Three times in these verses, God said, catch this. I will, I will, I will. 
I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you. I will establish my covenant between me and you. Do you believe me, Abraham? Let me tell you, the word that God has spoken, the promises in this Bible are all for you. All you have to do is receive it. So I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you're facing. There's a problem in remedy in the word for what you're going through. But if you don't get in the book, you got We spend too much time in Facebook instead of in the book. We will open our phone and, our phone and scroll up instead of turn pages. And you wonder why you have no breakthrough. You got to get the promise in you. Come on. It lives in you. And abides forever. Every head bow, every eye closed in this place. No one looking around. If you are here and you say you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Many of us know him as Savior. But is he the Lord of your life? Is he the, is he the king of your heart? I'm not talking about do you know of him. Have you encountered the Christ? the anointed one, the Messiah, Yeshua. Have you encountered? Salvation is not an event. It's a person. Do you know him? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you up. If you say you've never accepted Jesus Christ alone as Lord and Savior, I want to help you do that by leading you in the prayer. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Saved from what? Yourself. From destruction, hell. God wants to deliver you into him. So if you've never made Christ, I'm just going to count to three. I'm going to ask you to boldly slip your hand up just as an act of faith to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, you've never accepted Christ as Lord and Savior. You want to do that this morning? I just want to serve you by helping you. On the count of three, just slip your hand up. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Be bold. We love you. Once you put it up, you can slip it back down. Anyone else? All right, let's all pray this together as a family so these brothers and sisters can feel at home. So everyone pray this with me. For those who raised your hand, I need you to pray this by faith. You're talking to God. Don't worry about who's on the right or left. You're talking right to him. He's here. He loves you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever shall believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He loves you. So let's all pray this by faith. Repeat this after me. Say, Father in heaven, I recognize that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that Jesus Christ came to the earth. He bore my sins. He was put on a tree. He died for me. He went to the grave, yet he rose again on the third day for me. I put my faith I put my trust and I put my life in his hands. Jesus Christ, I make you the Lord of my life, the king of my heart from this day forward. Now, Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Bless you guys. Thank you.